Let's start. Um, now, I am a person that learns from examples. Am I the only one? I mean, if somebody just verbally tells me, or even just a read it online or in a book, sometimes it's like, whoo, if somebody could just show me an example, I would get it. In fact, God has blessed me with a new job, and as I'm learning, I find myself saying more and more, can you just share your screen with me? Show me an example. I'm, I'm just not comprehending, but if you show me an example, I'll get it. And so yesterday morning, I woke, and um, I had had a little bit of a restless night. I knew I was speaking, and I, and I just, I thought I knew, but wasn't sure kind of thing, you know. And, and so I thought, you know what? I know fear, I know confusion is not the voice of God. So I need to get back into God's word, hear what he is wanting to tell me, to guide me. And so I just sat down with my Bible in the living room, and I thought, James, that's such a good book. It's small. You can read it in one setting, but it's so full of wisdom. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to read the book of James. It's right at the end of the Bible. And so I'm reading, and I get to the fifth chapter, and I see the word, words, for examples. Okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. For examples, okay, what? What can I use for examples? So he went on and told us, he said to look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is made up of the law and prophets. Okay, okay, God is guiding me. Okay, but I'm like, I'm almost at the end of the book. Just finished it, and I'm glad I did, because as I read, I came across uh, verses 16 through 18, and in those verses, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results, and I know that. I've experienced that. I believe that, but then it says, Elijah, you know who Elijah is? He's a prophet. Elijah was as human as you and I. And yet when he prayed, when he prayed that there would be no rain for three and a half years, no rain. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crop. Now, maybe that's not hitting you the way it did me this whole experience, but I have been studying Elijah for several months now. I've got page after page after page of notes, and honestly, I thought that's what God was going to have me speak on on Mother's Day, and at the last minute, it didn't work that way, so when Dustin had asked me to speak, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just speak on Elijah, but then it just, I wasn't sure, what, you know, so I'm like, okay, God, obviously, I'm, I've got a thick head, and I needed you to be really direct with me, so today, today, we're just going to take the next few minutes, and we're going to look at this example by the name of Elijah. Let's pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking you to come into our minds, our hearts, relax us, get anything that is messing with our minds or even the expectations that we think already that we know what this is going to, to be about today because we want to hear a fresh word from you. So I'm asking that you would open our ears Open our hearts, 
Use me as simply an instrument in your hands. In Jesus' name, I pray and everybody say amen. Okay, so let's just cover a few facts that I have discovered about Elijah. Some I knew, some I learned. For one thing, he lived 800 years or so before Jesus Christ walked on our planet. 800 years. But yet, in Jesus' day, they were still talking about him. Which made me think, who do I know from 800 years ago that I talk about all the time? So I even got my calculator out and, you know, figured out what 800 years ago was. And it was 1,223. And you know who I still talk about from 1,223? No one. I don't know anyone from 1,223. So, okay, that has to be impressive right there that these people are still talking 800 years after the man lived. The other thing is he is named in all four Gospels. The Gospels are the four books in the New Testament that tell us the life of Jesus while he lived on earth. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they all talk about Elijah. Paul, even after Jesus had ascended into heaven after his crucifixion and he rose again, Paul is still talking about Elijah in the letter that he wrote to the Romans. And, of course, we started with James, the book of James, and he's still talking about him too. So, okay, another thing we can learn about him is John the Baptist was compared to Elijah. Jesus was asked if he was Elijah. One time Jesus went up on a high mountain. He took a few of his disciples. Once they got up in the high mountain, Jesus' face became so bright that it shone like the sun. And his clothing became dazzling white. And two guys showed up to talk to him. Elijah and Moses. Elijah was one of the two guys that literally came and talked with Jesus. And the last thing I want to leave with you before we jump in here. You know, there are two men listed in the whole Bible that never died. Enoch and Elijah. So, okay, we've got some background now. So we're going to uh, grab our Bibles, and we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. As we just read verse 1 of that chapter, we are going to meet two characters. One we've already talked quite a bit about, Elijah. The second one is a man named King Ahab. King Ahab is a wicked King, And I know that because I backed up and read the end of chapter 16. In one verse says, he was more evil than any of the other kings before him. And that's saying a whole lot. Another verse, verse 33 of chapter 16, tells us that Ahab did more to provoke the anger of God than any other king of Israel. See, the kings of Israel had led the children of Israel further and further away from the one true God. They had introduced the worship of idols, which God had flat out told them not to do. When God 
gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, we read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, he said, right at the top of his list of Ten Commandments, he said, you must not have any other God but me. Then he said, you must not make for yourself images, idols. And as if they didn't catch that, he's like, you must not bow down to any idols and worship them. And these kings flat out did the opposite of what God had instructed them to do. And God was not happy. In fact, when King Ahab came along, he literally built an altar to a god named Baal. He also built a pole to the goddess Asherah. And they encouraged the people of God, the precious people of God, to go worship Baal and Asherah. Now, you might be thinking, who's Baal and Asherah? And if you've not studied on them, that's fine. You don't need to know all the details. But know this. God told the people not to have any images or idols and not to worship them. And they flat out did what God told them not to do. And now... We're going to begin reading chapter 17, verse 1, in the book of 1 Kings. And it says this. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or no rain for the next few words, years until I give the word. Okay, so we're here together, right? We got... Elijah, the man of God, talking to the most wicked king in history. And then God tells Elijah to do something kind of unexpected. Because you know, as I'm reading, I'm like, oh, man, maybe he'll tell him, just like he did Joshua, be strong and courageous. Doesn't that sound, mm? But no, he tells Elijah, go hide. Okay, because he had a plan. See, if there was going to be no rain, there was not going to be water to drink. There would be no crops. There would be no food. So he had a plan by telling Elijah this, uh, go hide. Because he told him, you will have water at this brook where I'm having you go, and ravens are going to feed you. And they did. Two times a day, birds flew in and fed him. And he stayed where God told him to go and hide until God told him to go elsewhere. The rest of that chapter is a beautiful story of how God provided for Elijah uh, through the drought. But not only Elijah, but because of Elijah, also the life of a little widow woman and her son were spared as well. Go back and read it. It's beautiful. But for the sake of today, we're going to jump a chapter ahead. And now we're going to chapter 18. And it says, verse 1, Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord says to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Now tell him that I will soon send rain. So Elijah he went to meet Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. Three years, no rain, 
Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know if there's no rain, I've got no crops. And if we've got no crops, we got no food. And if there's no food, there's death in the land. And so now Elijah, who Ahab is considering to be the enemy because of this drought, is standing before him. Now, he's already been looking for Elijah for three years. He's going to kill him. And then God tells Elijah, go talk to King Ahab. But he did it. He did it. And now they're face to face. And King Ahab says, you troublemaker of, of Israel. But Elijah says, no, 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 no. I'm not the troublemaker of Israel. You are. You and your household, because you have started worshiping Baal and other foreign gods. Exactly what God told you not to do. You've been doing. It's not me God's mad at. It's you. And then there was a showdown. Some of you may have heard stories as a kid of this showdown, but just stick with me because you might learn something that you don't know. And those of you that haven't heard the story, it's a good one. Okay, so Elijah tells King Ahab, call all the people to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel? If you're like me and I'm reading, I want to know all the details so I can get a better image. So I, I googled what was Mount Carmel in Elijah's day. And it tells me that Mount Carmel was a high place. It was a mountain, a place of worship to Baal. This is where the people would go and worship Baal and sacrifice at times even their own children. It was disgusting. And that is where Elijah is saying, bring all the people of Israel. And then when the people get there, he's like, okay, you guys need to make up your mind. If Jehovah God is the one true God, you need to serve him. But if Baal is God, go ahead, serve him. But today we're going to figure it out. And so he tells the 450 prophets of Baal what they're going to do. He's like, we're going to have two animals for the sacrifice. You guys get to choose which one, and I'll take the other. And then we're going to prepare our animal. We're going to make our altar ready to make our sacrifice to please our God. But after you do it, don't set any fire. Because what we're going to do, we're going to ask, you asked your God, Baal. I'm going to ask my God. And we're just going to see which God sends fire. So they did that. He said, okay, you guys go first. So they did. Back in that day, that was their form of worship. So that might be a little foreign to some of us. But that's their form of worship. They go to their altar. They cut up wood. They get it all set up. They put their animal that they had prepared for their sacrifice. And then the prophets of Baal became, um, began calling on the name of Baal. And they called, and they called, and they chanted, and they begged, and they prayed, and they danced around the altar that they had made for Baal. And from the morning to noon, they continued. And you know what happened? Nothing. So at this point, Elijah, I guess, was feeling a little ornery, and he said, hey, Maybe he's taking a nap. Hey, 
maybe check a trip. Just scream louder because I'm sure he'll heal you then. So they did. They got so frantic, the Bible tells us they eventually began cutting themselves with knives and swords until blood gushed out. But you know what happened? Nothing. Baal is not God. So finally, time of evening worship came, and Elijah said, okay, guys, let me try this now. So he goes to get his altar ready, the altar of the Lord, which they had demolished. So he was going to put it back together, but he called for 12 stones because the God of Israel had called his people, the Israelites, as his chosen people, and there were 12 tribes. So intentionally, Elijah calls for 12 stones, and he takes these stones, and with them, he puts back together his altar, the altar of the Lord. Then he does the same as what the others had done. He prepared his wood. He prepared his animal for sacrifice, but then he did something else. He dug a trench all around the altar. Then he said, bring me some water. Bring me some water. So they did. He's like, bring some more. Bring some more. Until water literally fell off the sides of the altar and filled the trench that he had created. For a point, our God can do anything. Their God couldn't even come up with a little spark. But watch what our God can do. He got it all prepared. And then the man of God, the prophet Elijah, walked up to the altar and he prayed. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel, and that I'm just your servant. I'm doing what you commanded me to do, but show them that you are Lord. Please answer me so these people can see that you are indeed Lord and that you have brought them back to you. And as soon as he stopped... The scripture says, immediately. God can answer immediately. Sometimes he chooses not to, but when he's the one, (laughs) when it's time for him to show his power and his strength, immediately, immediately fire flashed down from heaven and consumed not just the animal, Not just the soaked wood, not just the altar itself made of stone, but every single drop of water. And the people did what they should have. They fell on their face before God, and they declared, The Lord is God. I can't even imagine the atmosphere that day. On that mountain, when God showed up and proved that he is God. Shortly after that, as we're reading through the story, we see again Elijah. He's down praying, and this time he's got his head between his knees, and he's talking to God. He's like, okay, God, you promised there was going to be rain. Yeah, and rain showed up or showed down. And the Bible, in fact, James just told us at the beginning The water came down from the sky, and crops began to grow again. Can you imagine how this man of God, high 
he was on. You know, God had just used him to show his power to the whole nation of Israel. But let's not forget something else that James told us, that Elijah was as human as you and me. And we humans, yeah, we have our highs, but we also have our lows. I can only imagine how tired Elijah was. He had been on the mount all day. He got down and he prayed, and then there was rain. He had to be wiped out. Have you been there? When you're so exhausted, you can barely open your eyes. That's where he was. And then he gets a message that the queen is after him. She's going to hunt him down, and she's going to kill him. And the Bible says he was afraid, and he fled for his life. Yeah, this guy that was just up on the mountain calling down fire from heaven, now he is afraid, and he's running for his life. And as we read the story, it says that he left his servant, his companion, and he went off alone into the wilderness. And he prayed that he could just die. Then he laid down under a tree, and he fell asleep. Angel came and woke him and said, hey, you need to eat. And so he woke up a little bit, and he saw bread and water, so he ate and drank the water, and he laid back down, and he continued sleeping. In a, a little while, the angel woke him again and said, okay, you need to eat some more because you need your strength because you're going to take a little trip. Then we find him. He's um, in a cave on Mount Sinai, the mountain of Mount Sinai. And then he hears God say, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah I can just imagine feeling so down, so worn up, worn out. Now he knows he's being hunted down to be killed. And he just pours his guts out to God. He says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel, they have broken their covenant to you. They have knocked down your altars. They have killed all your prophets, and I'm the only one left. Now they're going to kill me. Can you imagine his feeling of he had failed? His job was to call the people back to God. And now he's the only one, and they're going to hunt him down and kill him too? And God said, go out and stand before me. On the mountain. So he did. And the Lord passed by. And suddenly there was a, a wind storm. Like the wind blew so strong that rocks began to fall. But he didn't see God. He didn't hear God. Because God was not in the windfall. And then there was an earthquake. But again, 
God wasn't in it. So he waited. Then there was a fire. But God wasn't in the fire either. So he waited. And then there was a gentle whisper. And he heard the voice of God. He knew the voice of God because he had spent so much in time through the years talking with God. So he knew when the distraction of the, the earthquake and the winds and the fire, he, he knew God wasn't in that. But he did know when he was in the gentle whisper because he knew God's voice. And again, God said, why are you here? He let Elijah just pour out his soul to him. And then God said, I know you feel alone. I, I know you do. But you're not alone. I have 7,000 other people that have not bowed a knee to Baal. So you're not alone. Wow. I'm looking for examples from Elijah. And there are so many. But I made myself come up with just a few that I thought God might be speaking to some of us. Number one, just do what God says to do. I am not a camper. So if I was told to go hang out at a brook and let birds feed me, that would be a little challenging. That was not a glamorous thing that God told him to do. And maybe you feel God prompting you to do something and you're fighting him over because it's like, eh, I'm not so sure I want to do that. It's not all that glamorous. But take my word for it. God has a plan, so just do it. Lesson number two, stand up for what is right, even if you think you're the only one. Just do what God says to do in his word. I don't care if everybody at your school, I don't care if everybody at your job, I don't care what anybody else is doing, but you, you follow the word of God and you do what God tells you to do. You stand for what is right. Lesson three, when you get exhausted, when you're worn out, maybe afraid, don't go off alone. You know, from the beginning of the scripture, the beginning of Genesis, God makes the statement, it is not good for man to be alone. When you're down, when you're depressed, reach out to your sisters, girls, reach out to your brothers in Christ, boys, men, Let's hold each other up till we get through this time because another high will come. Another lesson I learned is sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is eat and take a nap. Remember, Elijah is as human as you and I. Yeah, even, even great men and women of God sometimes need to know what you need to do right now is just take care of yourself and get some rest. Because when you're not rested up and in a good place, the enemy will play with your mind. 
You may not have noticed that yet, but if you're worn out and you're tired, the things that you're thinking are most likely not from God. So take a nap. Next lesson is just learn to talk to God about everything. I think Elijah's life proved that. You know, God said, go talk to Ahab. And he did. God said, there's not going to be any rain. And then there is going to be rain. He just did whatever God told him to do because he said it in his prayer. Lord, show these people I'm just doing this because you told me to. He knew what God had told him to do because he knew God's voice and he talked to him a lot. Again, remember, know the voice of God. Make sure you're talking to God enough that you know his voice. And you know when it's not his voice. Because God doesn't always show up in the fire like he did for the Hebrew boys. He doesn't always show up in a windstorm or in an earthquake. Sometimes and a lot of times, it's in the gentle whisper. So know the voice of God. And be real with God. Another lesson I think I've learned from Elijah's example is just be real. I mean, when he fell apart and was telling God all about all the things he had done. And, you know, I don't see God, again, flashing fire out of heaven to consume him. No. God said, tell me about it. And by the way, you're not alone. I know you're alone, but you're not alone. So be real with God in lesson seven. God does not expect perfection. I know we can be so hard on ourselves and feel like, who am I that God would use me? I'm not good enough. You ever thought that? Hmm. Guess what? If God says you're good enough, you're good enough. He doesn't expect perfection. But be an Elijah and use the abilities God has given you. And it gives me the hope if he can use Elijah Maybe he can use me. Okay, Luke 1, we read in the New Testament, we're going 800 years forward from Elijah's life. We read this story in Luke chapter 1. And we find this, this man named Zechariah, and he is a priest. And this particular day, he is just in the temple doing his job. It was his turn, so he's doing his job in the temple when an angel shows up, which totally surprises him and scares him and freaks him out a bit. But after he calms down, the angel said, listen, don't be afraid. I'm here to tell you that you and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a baby boy. And you're going to name him John. And then the angel said, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. So I don't think Elijah's done today, giving us uh, the example or the lesson he most wants us to learn. I think if, if he would come and stand here, he would say, Wait, 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 there's, there's one more thing I want you to learn, one more. See, I did what I was supposed to do when it was my generation. I did everything within my power, with all my strength and all my power, to draw the people to God, the Jehovah God. 
And then 800 years, I handed the baton off to, to John the Baptist. And I said, okay, now it's your turn. Your generation looks so different than mine. And now Jesus Christ is coming on the scene. And now your job is to prepare the hearts of the people for the coming of the Lord. And then I think Elijah would say, he did his job. Now it's your turn. It's your turn. Now you live in 2023, and your culture looks so different than mine. And now you have had the, the, the honor, the privilege of getting to know Jesus Christ for yourselves, the Messiah. You, I didn't get to know him, but you do. And so now we're going to pass the baton to you because now your job is to tell your generation. It's your turn to tell your world about Jesus so they too can know the one true Messiah. They too can have a personal relationship with God. That's what I learned. So I'm just going to close with the words, be an Elijah. In your school, your work, at the store, wherever you go, just remember your top priority is to be an Elijah to your world.